Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Tuesday, February 8th, and this is People Every Day. Hey there, Janine Rubenstein here. And is it me or was anyone else pounding some extra caffeine to get through today? Anyway, welcome. Lots of topics to cover. So let's get started with what's been all over my news feed today. Another week, another Pete Davidson update. Yesterday on People the TV Show, Pete Davidson verbally referred to Kim Kardashian as, quote, my girlfriend. This confirms what we've all known for months, given the SNL star has made continuous headlines keeping up with his new boo. When asked about what his Valentine's Day plans are, here's what the comedian had to say. I don't think I've ever had a Valentine's Day thing, really. So this would be the first year that I'm thinking about Valentine's Day plans, I guess. So you are thinking about Valentine's Day plans? Yeah, very much so, yes. Day after Super Bowl. Yes, it's a big day. It's a big, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's another Super Bowl. Well, we are rooting for you, Pete. Go big or go home. <laughs> Speaking of big games, things are continuing to heat up on the ice for U.S. figure skater Nathan Chen. After already leading Team USA to a silver medal, Chen continued his pursuit for individual glory. In the 2018 Olympics, the 22-year-old fell short of the podium after falling on the ice. This year, it's a different story. Yesterday, this happened. Guys, it's not 2018 anymore. This era has belonged to Nathan Chen. You know what Nathan Chen just said with that performance? You can stop asking me about Pyeongchang. Chen set the highest short program score in the history of figure skating after taking home the day's top score of 113.97. I can't wait to see what he does next. He's such an incredible performer. Now on to some other amazing performances. The Oscar nominations are out. And now, I'd like to thank the Academy for finally getting me excited for Oscars night. That's right, it's that time of year. The Oscar nominations were announced this morning by Tracy Ellis Ross and Leslie Jordan. And as always, truly the best of the best are going head-to-head -head for the top honors. The Power of the Dog earned 12 nominations today, including Best Picture and Best Director. And real-life couple Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst each picked up acting noms for their performances in the film. They're not the only couple breaking out the champagne today, though. Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz also got nominated. His is for Being the Ricardos and hers for Parallel Mothers. And someone I'll be breaking out the champagne for is Beyonce, because Queen Bee got her first. That's right, her first Oscar nomination for the song Be Alive from King Richard. Then there were the snubs. And there's a lot to talk about, and I am so excited to break it all down. Joining me now to do that is People Movie News Editor Nigel Smith. Hey, Nigel. Happy Oscars Day. Happy Oscars. Well, let's just dive right in with the best 
Actress category. I know there's a lot of talk about Kristen Stewart being nominated with fans taking to social media with excitement for her first Oscar nomination. So let's take a quick listen to what she said about stepping into the iconic shoes of Princess Diana and Spencer. I just loved her and she's begging to be spoken about and dreamt on. And I just think like that's why we have so many versions of this story right now is we, we kind of need her. Mm. So Nigel, what are your thoughts on her chances? I think her chances are decent. She's up against two two big nominees who are the front runners. I think Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter. We also have Nicole Kidman up for being the Ricardos. Uh, these are two previous winners, so maybe that gives Kristen Stewart the advantage. But Olivia Colman has been kind of a front runner ever since that movie debuted on Netflix. Everyone loves her performance in the movie. It's quite the different performance from her Oscar-winning role in The Favorite. And then Nicole Kidman, you have her as Lucille Ball, and she did such the transformation. A lot of people had thoughts prior mm-hmm. to seeing her in the role, uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, expectations, and she really, really met them and kind of surpassed everyone's preconceived notions of what she would do with the part. But then you also have Jessica Chastain, who underwent such a transformation to play Tammy Faye Baker. And then you also have Penelope Cruz, who was actually a big surprise in this category for Parallel Mothers. It's directed by her longtime favorite director, Pedro Motivar. It's a Spanish language film, and she is so astonishing in the movie. So I'm just overjoyed that she is in the category. For sure. And then everyone has talked about Lady Gaga not getting a nod for House of Gucci, right? That came as a huge shock that no one saw coming. And a lot of people actually thought she was going to win. She was nominated for the SAG Award, for the BAFTA Award, and she has been campaigning like no other actress out there. Oof. Let's talk about all the talented men nominated in the Best Actor category. Javier Bardem is in this group, as well as Andrew Garfield for Tick, Tick, Boom, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, and then Will Smith for King Richard. But a major snub in this category was Leonardo DiCaprio for Don't Look Up. So, so Nigel, did that take you by surprise, too? And who are you expecting to take home this honor on Oscars night? Leo not making the cut didn't surprise me that much. He's won before, and his performance in that film was more of a comedic performance. And as we all know, comedies often get overlooked by the Academy. He had a great speech in the movie, but I don't think it's his his strongest performance. Yeah. I love me some Leo, and I was like, ah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the same. But Denzel, look yeah, at Denzel. that. Yeah, Denzel. That was a bit of a surprise. Really incredible, and he is so great in that film. What's really fascinating is that Will Smith and Denzel were actually up for the same Oscar 20 years ago. Denzel won for Training Day. Will Smith was up for Ali. Um, And now I think this is Will Smith's chance to win. He has been the frontrunner all award season long. He had the book come out. He's been touting this performance in King Richard, and he's so amazing in the movie. He has so many nominations under his belt, and he has no Oscar win yet. And now, okay, for one of my favorite categories, Best Original Song. As I mentioned earlier, my girl Beyonce is up for her first ever Oscar, which Can we just have a moment to acknowledge that it's her first Oscar nomination? Wild. But she's going up against another favorite of mine, Lin-Manuel Miranda for Encanto. But not for the song We Don't Talk About Bruno. Here's why. Take a listen. 
you know, when you submit a song for consideration, you're, I always think the song you submit, it's not about whether you win or not. It's about the one that best sort of exemplifies the spirit of the movie itself. That's, that's always the guiding principle. And for us, Los Oruguitas is, it's like the foundational story. I think he really just went for the song that best represents the nominated movie. And he, he did that by unfortunately not nominating the catchiest song, which is the Bruno track. But, you know, that tr- song has already broken records. Yes. It's been number one uh, for, for a while now. It unseated Adele. <laughs> it made history in other ways. And yeah. if it's not, it doesn't get an Oscar at the end of the day, I don't think it's that bad. Uh, but now for the biggest award of the night, Best Picture. We got 10 nominees here. And as you gleaned from this whole conversation, The Power of the Dog is a major front runner. If Jane Campion, its director, takes home that Oscar as well, she'll be the third woman to do so. Crazy. But back to Best Picture. Who are the nominees, Nigel? And who do you think will win? So we got, in alphabetical order, Belfast, which is Kenneth Branagh's film, biographical, black and white, beautiful picture, Coda, independent film that premiered at Sundance last year, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, a foreign film, kind of a surprise, has won a bunch of precursor critics award. Then you have Dune, the huge blockbuster, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, which is wonderful, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and of course, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Who are you giving it to, Nigel? Who are you giving it to? The one that I'm going to put money on is Power of the Dog. It's also my favorite film in the category, so I might be a, a little biased. This movie blew my mind. It's just such a, a beautifully wrought film from one of my favorite directors, Jane Campion. And the film has the most nominations out of the night. All right. Well, just so you know, Reese and Ramey Rubenstein are very upset that Encanto was snubbed. So <laughs> it's all I'm about sure. Encanto. <laughs> yeah, Encanto wasn't nominated for Best Picture, but you have it in the Best Animated Film category. But I think Encanto, which is obviously the biggest hit, is going to win. So I think your kids are going to be very happy. <laughs> Yay. Nigel, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys, I seriously cannot stop talking about Disney's Encanto. And I'm not mad about it, okay? As we discussed, the film's beautiful ode, Dos Uruguitas, is up for an Academy Award for Best Song. And with this nomination, the man behind the music, Lin-Manuel Miranda, has a chance to complete his EGOT, the coveted distinction for those with an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. Despite not owning an Oscar yet, Miranda has a pretty robust trophy case. So with that said, Time for your Tuesday trivia question. Outside of the big ones we mentioned, what other prestigious award did the star pick up in the last decade? Stay with us and you'll hear after the break. Plus, you don't want to miss my conversation with Real Housewives of Orange County star Heather Dubrow about raising her kids to feel comfortable with their sexual identities. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, 
their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. We are back and we're talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda and his pursuit of an Oscar to complete his EGOT. He's no stranger to the world of film, having written the music for not only Encanto, but also Moana. He even made his directorial debut this year with Tick, Tick, Boom. The answer to your Tuesday trivia is that he picked up a Pulitzer Prize for the beloved Hamilton in 2016. That work is actually behind most of his awards. I am rooting for him to get that Have you guys seen Euphoria yet? It is one of the most buzzed about shows out there, but uh, one of the things that shows like Euphoria, Big Mouth, and others do so well is tell stories with rich characters from every walk of life, social status, ethnic background, sexuality, and gender. Gender and sexual expression is an ongoing conversation in America, and it seems like Hollywood has helped normalize conversations of identity with parents and their children. It's a discussion that my next guest is having in her home as well, one that she and her family are sharing with the world. So right now, I'm joined by entrepreneur, podcast host, and Real Housewives of Orange County star, Heather Dubrow, to discuss how she's raising her children in a loving and accepting home as they open up about their sexual identity. Hi, Heather. Thanks for being here. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. Well, first, I want to see how everyone is doing in the Dubrow household. You've got, you know, your Heather Dubrow World podcast that you're working on. Your hubby, Terry Dubrow, is a plastic surgeon known for his work on Botched. And then there are your four kids, 18-year-old twins, Max and Nicholas, 11-year-old Colette, and 15-year-old Kat. So that's a lot. There's always something new going on over there in the OC house, right? Oh, my God. It's crazy. Yes. I mean, to have four kids and they're all these different ages, there's different genders, different sexual orientations. They're all kind of at interesting crossroads, like going to college, starting middle school, just started high school. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of hormones in this house, too. It's not always fabulous. But the good news is, is that I think because the oldest are 18, we haven't been through everything, but we've been through enough that I think that Terry and I now look at each other and we're like, all right, well, this sucks, but we're going to get through this. Or we take a little calmer approach to things than we did when the first two were little. (laughs) Well, this season on The Real Housewives of Orange County, we are seeing you navigate so many dynamics. You and your family have been really open and supportive regarding Max's coming out journey. And now Kat sharing who she is with you. So no two coming out stories are the same and and everyone has a different idea of what the, you know, right time or the right way is. So if you don't mind, could you share like how that was different between Max and Kat? I think when Max came out 
to me and then to us and to the world. It was very definitive. She had obviously been marinating on it, thinking it, going through her own process and shared when she was ready to. Because, you know, yeah, no coming out stories are the same and no two people are the same in their process and and their exposure and, and the whole thing. So with Katerina, she has been sort of an open book for years and really explored who she is and, and how she wants to talk about herself. And she educated me so much, even on, you you know, pronouns and non-binary and, and just concepts that were coming up and, and being talked about. I've learned so much from Kat. She's just been more verbose about the whole thing. Yeah. So so let's go back to Max. When when Max came out publicly on Instagram, you know, there were comments from parents who said they regretted not handling their own LGBTQI plus children's news as well as you did. So So how did that move you to you know, come back and bring the conversation to the show and share your family's story. Yeah, I just got teary hearing you say that, to be honest with you. I mean, it just, it breaks my heart. You know, your parents, out of everyone in the world, the people that created you are your first line of defense, right? Like they're the people that are supposed to be there for you no matter what. And so it just, it breaks my heart when I read those kinds of comments. So when they asked me to come back to the show, you know, first I laughed. I'm like, no, we did that. (laughs) Check the box. We're good. Five seasons was enough. But then you explore every option. You think about it. But when I really thought about it, I thought, okay, why would I do this? Well, because it's a platform. What is a platform for? I mean, can we sell more things? Can we write more books? Can we like, uh, maybe, but why? And so we talked about it and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if besides all the drama and all the nonsense that comes, you know, with doing a reality show and all that, what if we could show like what goes on in our house, not perfect, but honest and real and and all of us trying and loving each other and supporting as best we can. And what if we could start those conversations in other people's homes? Wow. Well, I mean, no matter who you are, a parent or a child, when it comes to having you know that old saying, the talk, it can be just a a nerve-wracking moment. But it's also just important to have, and you want your children to feel comfortable asking those types of questions. So what advice do you have for parents who are talking to their children about their sexual identity and expression, especially when it comes to the LGBTQIA plus conversation? Well, no matter what your child's sexual identity is, you have to listen because as parents, you know, I think so many of us, and I, you know, I made this mistake early on too. We want to impart our wisdom to our children and we want to talk at them and give them the life lessons and everything when truly they just want to be heard. And I think especially um, with the LGBTQ plus kids, I think that listening, being supportive and taking their lead it is just the most important thing. And and I want to get your take on this. As I said earlier, like there's so many different shows that are tackling this. And I'm not saying you've seen all of them, but what is one that has made it onto your radar? And, and how do you feel they did with this discussion, the parent-child conversation on this? I mean, I think so many scripted shows do a great job with it, but it's still a scripted show. So I feel like there's always still that that veil, that veneer that, you know, we know that they're not 
real people. Yeah. I don't like hearing people say that, you know, talking about your children's sexuality or making it public is, you know, exploitative in some way because it's not. First of all, just so you know, like these conversations with my kids and, and talking about this publicly has been on their timetables and when they're ready, because it's their story to tell. So even if I've known about something for years, it's not my story to tell. Yeah. And so they do it in their own time and when it's right for them. But it's my kids that want to tell their stories and normalize this. And then just lastly, I remember you speaking with Noella on uh, last week's episode, and you talked about how proud you are of having multiple children living in their truth. So, so what do you do to create that space on a daily basis? I think that mostly it's trying to live in a space of not being judgmental. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a child, and I know we all go through this, especially with the first one, they come out and you're like, man, this kid is perfect. I don't want to mess him up. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, you can only do your best. And I think when you get to that basic moment where you go, okay, I'm a product of my environment. I'm a human being. I'm not going to do everything perfectly. And you look at your children, you're like, they're human beings. They're figuring themselves out. And it's my job as their parent to do the best I can. And the best that we can do for our kids, it's what you're doing when you're with them. Are you present? Are you actually listening to them? Are you hearing them? And are you supporting them? love your children, listen to your children, respect your children, and support them. Boom. I love it. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time and for bringing this message here for our listeners. Well, guys, before I let you go, a little Olympics moment for you. I love hearing about all the athletes' journeys, and it's so cool to see them share these moments with their friends and family. Anna Hoffman, a 21-year-old ski jumper from Madison, Wisconsin, was a late addition to the Winter Games, and she was so overjoyed when she called to tell her mom the news. It's something to make you smile. Just listen. I'm going to the Olympics. Shut up. No. Yeah. Italy dropped out, and so there was an open spot, and they just approved me. Oh, my God, Anna Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. Well, thank you for listening to us today. Join us tomorrow to hear an exclusive interview with another Olympian, Tara Lipinski, and other news on People Every Day. <laughs> 